episode of How Do You Do? I'm Samantha Vincola Minot. And I'm Yael Haruti. And we are here like every week to talk about all things Jewy. Yael, usually I ask you how it's going, but today I just want to like brag on your behalf to all of our listeners that you've become a TV star since we last <laughs> spoke. Um, hardly a TV star, but yes, I was hosted on Fox 8 New Day Cleveland. Um, with my Thanksgiving collection, and it was super exciting, and it's just, um, it's very touching every time I get to do something like that, especially since I don't contact them, and they contacted me, and it's just, it's, there's nothing better than being recognized. It's so exciting, and like, just watching it, first of all, I think I texted you, like, how much I was longing for all of the food that the lucky interviewer got to taste. I was like, I know what that tastes like, and I want to be part of this experience. But also just seeing, like, again, how, how your business is growing and thriving, and that's what we were talking about just before we started recording. It's just so exciting. So yay all around. It really is. I'm, I'm almost a year into this business. It will be a year in December, and... I have no words. Like, looking back at this year and all the frustration because I had so much frustration. Um, oh, my God. And then how I feel today. And it's just, it's amazing. And I hope that I get to grow more and more and make so many people happy. And I'm very thankful. Like, seriously. <laughs> so thankful. Oh, my God. And it's almost Thanksgiving. So you're thinking about thankfulness. <laughs> yes. Um, so that feels very on, on brand. And it's just, it's amazing. I didn't realize that it only like it feels like COVID time is not human time. I don't know how else to describe it. So simultaneously, I'm like, it's been a year, and also it's only been a year. Like I just that none of that makes sense to me. I know, but I will try to work on that. Well, if you felt my frustration during this year, then you would have said it's been a year. Like it's that's enough. <laughs> it's been a okay. So that's what we'll go with. It's been a year, but um, it's amazing and just yay, and perhaps you will be the type of lady boss with much less problematic um, you know, things um, that we're talking about today as we continue to talk about Julia Hart and my unorthodox life. I have so much to say. <laughs> um, so listeners, just as a reminder, if um, you are watching along with us, we are about to discuss uh, season one, episode four of My Unorthodox Life. If you're trying to watch along with us, um, it is available on Netflix. And um, you can go back and listen to our commentary on episodes one through three to understand why we have so many feelings about all of these people. But, um, yeah, Elle, do you want to jump in and share yours first? Yes. So they dove into the book. Like, they read a lot of things about the book that Julia um, wrote. So, like, last episode ended with them, um, with her giving all the kids the unedited, por like, book. <laughs> yeah, like the proposal or the manuscript for, yeah. for, like, autobiography or whatever. And then this episode starts with all of them, like, splitting up into their own, like, parties and reading parts of it. And just every time one of them read something out loud, I was, I was just in awe I was I was shocked I was like I can't believe Julia did this to her kids no I felt so like you know when you see something on TV that's really uncomfortable for either a complete stranger or like even a fictional character 
and you get secondhand awkwardness. Yeah. That that was my entire experience of these poor children reading this book, like manuscript, whatever, out loud. That I was just like, I I'm so uncomfortable for people who I don't know that I'm watching on a screen. That like I I, I had a physical reaction. I mean, honestly, yeah. I, honestly, I felt it mostly for Bracheva and Ben. Oh my god, and Ben and Miriam pissed me off again. Yeah, because no, she was, was reading, good. and then she was like reading something about Bacheva, and then she was like, "Is this too much information?" And then she started laughing, and and she and she said, "Should I continue reading?" Like you can really see that she doesn't like Bacheva. No, and I just I felt so bad for them because I think that obviously I could say like you know Julia as a mother, her children's experiences are in some ways her experiences also that she was like you know from the mother's perspective living all of this. Yeah. But when it came to like these like sex things about their life, first of all, that's none of your business. And even if they made it your business, because it sounds like Bacheva and Ben came to Julia to like discuss the like marital or like intimacy problems that they were having at the start of their marriage, like nobody is stupid enough to not like at least have the inkling, like Perhaps that would be awkward to put in a commercial fiction book. Like, the fact that she just seemed so surprised and, like, felt the need to justify, well, this was part of my story because I was your mother. Like, yes, it's part of your story, but also as a mother to just, like, think for a second, like, wow, maybe they wouldn't want this shared, like, question mark. Yeah. And also, like, you can, so, you she could have put it in... I, 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 like more general words like she does she didn't have to tell us about the fact that she gave Bacheva a, a vibrator like she didn't have to tell us about the fact that they came to her to ask her about how to do sex and that they're having issues they're not successful like they, she could have not written all of that that's not okay but no I did like what Bacheva said um, at one point when her and Ben were reading, she said something really nice. She said, I think it's really interesting how in books you only get, like, one perspective. Right, exactly. And, and, and then... Very much. Sorry. And then, like, Ben Ben chose to stop reading. I thought it was just... Again, their relationship is just my favorite. They're so mushy. I know. The other thing that I thought was really lovely, while everyone's, like, doing this read-aloud... Julia gets a note from Aaron, who's her younger mm-hmm, son, who's like mm-hmm. a teenager. Yes. And he wrote, like, I love you for who you are, not for who you were. And to me, that's adorable. Like, as much as I don't like who Julia necessarily is, um, I think that for him to, like, have the, I don't know, maturity, like, self-awareness to say, like, I just want to validate my mom in this moment, um, I thought that was really sweet but then of course I had to get like very I don't know pedantic about it because who she was is what led to who she is like I I always get very grumpy in any context when it's like well that's who I was it's not who I am I'm like no who who you are for better or for worse comes from all your lived experiences and who you are I think there's something like very unhealthy about like segmenting out in this case and I'm I'm not obviously an expert you know clearly she has trauma like she doesn't want to be who she was and like I'm not trying to put 
that on to her. But in general, I feel like, wow, feeling, you know, repressed in the way that she was led to her being this, like, fierce advocate for women and all the good things as well as all the things that pissed me off about her. So, yeah, a lot of that also led to her being so controlling, which we will get to later on in this episode. <laughs> so, yeah. So she does get, like, defensive about it, but in the end, I feel like she did acknowledge that she went through her stuff, and Basheva, as her daughter, went through her own stuff, and they're both entitled to their feelings on it, which I think is, like, a very basic truth, but doesn't necessarily need to end up in print if not everyone is consenting. Um, I did like the the lunch that they had. So they so again they showed this like extraordinary lunch, you know, chef prepared, um, and all the kids are sitting around and like you can see on their faces, they're all extremely uncomfortable and they're all extremely angry at Julia. And, and then what I love to see is Shlomo just and Miriam too, which surprised me, but they both spoke up and said that they don't like what Julia wrote. And then, right. and then Ben like really shows her what he doesn't like. And then Bacheva just got angry and left, which led to the nice conversation that her and Julia had, which was a nice conversation. Yeah. Not that I think Julia was okay in any way, but it was a nice, it was a nice conversation. Yeah, just there's like a lot. There's a lot of feelings being processed, but I have to say, I have to say, it did open up my my eyes to what Julia went through. Just like you said earlier, um, yeah, the way she put it kind of made me understand her more um, because her and Bacheva's relationship was ruined when she left, and the way that Bacheva said, like, I needed my mom, and you were just yeah. looking at yourself and. Julia pretty much said I needed to be a mom and in order to do that I needed to find myself and I I thought that was beautiful because she she never forgot her kids she just really had to look at at herself and just like you know it's going to be a funny comparison but like on the airplane when they tell you like if the if the masks like fall down the oxygen mask you put it on yourself first and then you help your kids and that's what she did so I'm really I'm 100% behind her on that decision. Yeah. But what she's doing now is not okay. Right. But I think that is a really great way of putting it, that, like, yes, there are abandonment issues, and, like, they're very legitimate, but I completely agree. And if she was going to, like, survive, thrive, her perspective was she needed to, like, look out for herself and then was able to come back almost for her kids. And, like, it seems like in that respect it did work out because – like, I've read other stories of, like, people who've left the Haredi ultra-Orthodox community who, like, their kids don't come with them, so they don't maintain a relationship or they, like, you know, are really cut off. And it's like, whatever it is that she did, obviously she and her kids are incredibly close. And I think especially as we, like, continue the series, it'll be interesting to see, like, how they navigate the differences in that world because they also aren't cut off from their dad like we don't know if necessarily everyone particularly Miriam is as close to him but somehow they're having this balance where like it's not a either or like either my secular parent or my religious one and I think that's like a great thing well I mean I think that I don't know how they did it but somehow well I think it does take two of two parents so Julia wanted to leave and I think the dad as much as he was hurt I think he he did choose to do the best for his kids 
because we did see him in that on that episode, and he doesn't look yeah. as Haredi as we thought. Um, no, he looks like a lot of people I know. Yeah, he looks like modern Orthodox at most, right? Right. So I think that's also part of like where some of the confusion comes in about this of like, what exactly what part of the community were you from? Like I've read a few you know pieces from people who are like I knew her when and it wasn't that bad but obviously like we're not into you know victim blaming and it, it felt to her like a repressive environment or an oppressive environment that she needed to get out of like it doesn't matter what form of orthodoxy it was obviously that's like a critical thing on her journey so I have to I have like just a private kind of note so my dad became modern orthodox um mm-hmm. like when I was Oof, when I was, I think, in sixth grade. Okay, so when I was around 12 years old, he, he started, like, his journey to becoming, like, modern orthodox, and then he really became modern orthodox, I think, when I was, like, in seventh grade, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, like, it every time I went to visit him, I can kind of see what Julia was feeling, because really? a lot of the religion is for men. And yeah. it is, and especially when you get like more into the community where women can't sing, for instance, right. and women are not allowed to do a bunch of things. And in their community, I don't think it really mattered if you're um, like how orthodox you are. I think there are just things that women can't do in that community, yeah. no matter if you're modern orthodox or if you're extremely Haredi. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, if it really mattered because they were talking about how they were allowed to do some things and then not allowed to do some things and then about school and education and a lot of those things that, that, you know, Miriam really wanted to do. And Shlomo, for instance, never got to do that and neither did um, uh, Ben. They both Mm -hmm. didn't get to get a higher education. Right. So I think that was the, that was what Julia was talking about. I don't know if it really like mattered if how how orthodox they were yeah no i think that's a super important point and also i think anything it's different if you've opted into it versus if it feels like something has been you know forced on you for whatever reason like i know plenty of empowered amazing women who have really found like homes in all streams of orthodox judaism that work for them and mm-hmm. that like fulfill them and i think it's only you know, a good thing if you're finding joy and pleasure and, like, meaning-making in it. But for whether it's, like, a Julia or a Miriam, for whom it, like, obviously wasn't working in terms of who they are and who they want to be. And also, like, Bacheva, who is, you know, finding herself within it because, like, is still keeping Shabbat, is still, um, you know, keeping kosher, but is dressing how she wants to, is, like, taking birth control, You know, I think as long as you're able to have a feeling of autonomy and that, like, you're choosing your life, it's beautiful, whatever it is. Yeah, I agree. So speaking Uh, of choosing your life, um, Julia made a choice for Robert. Um, Julia made several choices for Robert. This episode, yeah. So we'll start with the first one. Is this about, like, that they got butt? Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't like a butt implant. It was like, it was more like a butt workout I guess I don't know how to call it but he it was like a butt surgery so essentially but she, so essentially she said that she doesn't do like 
facial and body things until Robert tests them out. So she just made him an appointment to get this, like, some sort of electrocution before his butt that's supposed to <laughs> that's supposed to make his butt look like he did I don't know how many squats or whatever and she's sitting there and he's getting <laughs> and he's getting this like treatment and yelling and she's laughing and enjoying herself but <laughs> I just thought it was kind of funny how he's like her guinea pig I, I have so many questions <laughs> because obviously and like this will come up towards like the other things that I think she's wrong about with Robert like they have an amazing rapport they're calling each other best friends like they obviously love each other and it's great to have like a best friend who you could just be like this is the most absurd thing in the entire world please do it um best <laughs> friends are great but also no like, she's his boss but that's what I was gonna say she's <laughs> his boss yeah like there's a very weird power dynamic thing mm-hmm. and I think I'm being very sensitive to it but like I'm gonna be um if the gender roles were reversed here and a male CEO was asking like the woman who reports to them to do literally any of the things that Julia like puts onto Robert like we like there would be lawsuits um it would be so unacceptable for good reason it would just be like this is a pressure situation like how can it really be consensual if you have hiring and firing power over me like it would just be so egregious and everyone would agree and I think that part of like what we as a society need to be figuring out is like how do we recognize dynamics that are creepy in one direction like hello this is also inappropriate in the other direction yeah I mean, had she asked him, like, had she, had she came to him as a friend and say, like, we're friends, this has nothing to do with me being your boss, you can say no, and it will not have any effect on your job, but I really want to do this, and I'm kind of scared, would you test it out for me? Like, would you be willing to do that? Had he said yes, awesome, but, like, she, she just shoved him in the car and said, a surprise. Right, no, it was just like... <laughs> and then she got him drunk. Oh, my God. Then I'm just thinking about, like, every single, like, boss relationship that I've ever had. And, like, I've had amazing bosses. I've had dysfunctional bosses. I have bosses to, like, for, you know, until this day, I'm like, you're my life role model. I'm like, none of the above. Just no one would I engage in anything to, like, this degree of intimacy with. I think, like, once one of my bosses and I shared a cleaning person for, like, a day. And I was just like, it's, like, it's close. I can't do this. So she does ask so, him about his dates during that time, and she and she finds out that he doesn't date, and like she wants to set him up with someone. Yeah, this made me really just sad and angry. Mm-hmm. So Julia basically decides that like Robert needs to date, despite him very articulately and like be- like heartbreakingly beautifully saying. Like, I need to work on myself. I need to love myself before I can date. And I was like, like, preach, good sir. Like, if that's, um, you know, if that's the journey that you're going on and you're not interested in dating, that is completely fine. And she doesn't hear him, doesn't listen to him, has absolutely no, like, empathy for where he's coming from. So decides, like, to go essentially back into the world that she was so deeply escaping 
because it's like how do you uh set someone up not internet dating not whatever she goes to find a shotgun <laughs> yeah and the other thing that i just want to mention before we get into the shotgun i think silvio julia's husband might hate robert because he got so excited at just the very idea of robert having his own life i'm like getting a life that i was like oh i think maybe silvio and robert like maybe like he's jealous the amount of time that he spends with julia or like in their family or something because he was just very excited about it yeah they did like the perfect editing for that all the scenes where robert just walks into their life oh my god so yeah so she hires a shotgun um and a shotgun as you know we both know but to clarify for our listeners is essentially a traditional matchmaker, matchmaker yeah and no, the, this I, woman didn't seem religious at all so I think like she was just she was calling it Shadchan but I think it was just a matchmaker cause and I think it's Robert so is also gay right Robert's gay Robert's not Jewish I don't think yeah so um, you can't really bring a Shadchan you can bring a matchmaker you can bring a matchmaker um, every time we say it all I want to do is break into a chorus like matchmaker matchmaker make me a match but I'm not going to it's okay um, anyway, so yeah, she brings this matchmaker, and I was cheering out loud for how violated Robert is and like voices it because I feel like so many people with like things that Julia does that violate them um, are just like yes. expected to kind of take it, and he storms out. He is angry. Yeah, and, and he did. Like, he did apologize to the matchmaker, but he just left and it I kind of thought like I was looking at the matchmaker the whole time thinking this matchmaker really wants to close this deal because it will bring her a lot of business like if she did this for Julia Hart and you can see oh, as he's leaving the room she's like with this big smile on her face but she's so heartbroken because she really wanted this for her own business and I'm thinking to myself that's not really nice of you though <laughs> no I, I feel like there should be a thing but something like matchmakers like the same way that like you can't sign someone up who's like not a minor like for therapy without their consent like yeah you shouldn't be able to sign someone up for matchmaking in a non-consensual way yeah like before he walked into the room she was like yeah i'm gonna persuade him to do this i'm gonna talk him into it and i'm thinking to myself you do not have any morals no i just it, and it was so sad like it was so sad because i feel like it this is something that he was already kind of hesitant about and didn't want to do like this level of pressure and force like i, I would never date again yeah so um, um in between those um um uh, good scenes there we go that was the word good job you got this <laughs> between those scenes um w- there is a scene of like they cut to a scene about Bacheva talking yes. to some um model mm-hmm. trying to help her with the social media but actually like that wasn't the interesting part for me the interesting part for me was when Bacheva they they have a scene of her just talking to the interviewer and she's saying um, that it took her a long time to get a job at Julia's company because Julia wanted her to do all these things and excel and yeah. like all these things before. And I thought that was kind of nice. Like Julia doesn't just give her kids things. She makes them work for it. Absolutely. I really like that. I love that. I also, in the, like, so when they were talking about work, 
So, but Chev is, like, doing this influencer coaching, which, like, do we think that, like, that could be how I get to, like, meet her and tell her of my love for her and Ben to be like, do you want to look at our Instagram? <laughs> um, I'm not going to do it, I promise. But, um, but I thought it was also interesting because, like, then we hear from Ben that he became a realtor, like, and not because it seemed like he had a huge passion for real estate, but because, like, growing up in, like, the yeshiva education system, he, like, was limited in what option, or he felt like he was limited in what options, like, he could take in terms of career path. Yeah. And then, like, COVID and everyone leaving the city, like, I was really feeling for him that his work life wasn't going well. I felt really and bad, and I, I love the way that he came to Julia so professional, like, ready it for... Was so sweet. Yeah. Yeah, no, so it's like Julia's going to career coach Ben. Um, and I loved that because I felt like he really owned up to it. I think it must be incredibly vulnerable to go to, like, your mother-in-law, who you've obviously had a very strange relationship with, but clearly she loves him and, like, he's married to her daughter. Mm -hmm. But, like, she's talked about your sex life. She's, you know, discussed, like, your, you know desire to be a parent in a really condescending way that we've talked about earlier she's talked oh about oh my god you know, again Bacheva tells her that she's pregnant on this episode and her reaction also, her reaction was terrible but I also I, I don't know I feel like that kind of thing I think is very sensitive like every year I know a lot of people who will post um, like a few days before April Fools because like apparently it's a thing that people have no lives and will, like, make fake pregnancy announcements for April Fool's Day. And so a lot of people will post, like, the, you know, a couple days before. As a reminder, there are people who are desperate to be pregnant who are struggling with it. There are people who have gotten, you know, diagnoses that they can't. Like, there are so many things. I mean, Ben, ben, and, ben and Bacheva don't know if they can even get pregnant. Right. Like, there's just, like, to make that into a joke to me just feels so icky and also for Julia's reaction like I can't imagine you know if she was pregnant you telling your mom that and that like that being the first words because you can essentially never get that back like even if after you have time to adjust and you know process it then everyone gets appropriately excited you like, you always remember on some level like the first thing that was said was oh my god no um and i feel like we i mean i i remember hearing that in a bunch of different contexts like i remember going to um a training session for like an interfaith um jewish education experience and part of what was being said was like to parents of kids who are in interfaith couples your first reaction is going to color the rest of the relationship like if the first thing you do is react in negativity or anger or disappointment even if you guys like you know figure it out and get back on track those feelings never go away so i feel like for julia to react like this like then whenever it is god willing you know ben about sheva's time to decide that they want to become parents like like would they really be vulnerable with her and let her know or would it just be like she doesn't want this for her, so we're not going to tell her? Yeah, Julia's like, no, I want, I want you to get pregnant only after you're thirty. 
Who are you to decide what I am going to have a baby in me? <laughs> no, and that also seems so arbitrary. Like, I just, I remember, I mean, and again, I like, they're not children, but I feel like there are certain childhood things that, like, it's so hypocritical to say, you know, oh, once you're 10 years old, you're responsible enough for whatever, but until then you're not. Like, every individual is different. They're, like, there are people who can be, you know, left alone as babysitters at 10 years old, and there are people who can barely care for themselves at 10 years old. Like, there are people who are ready to be young parents. There are people who are never going to be ready to be parents. I'm like, all great. And I feel like it's just very childish. Like, 30 is the age. Like, that reminds me of, you know, being in middle school and being like, oh, 25 is the right age to get married. And it's like, no, the age when you find someone who you want to marry is the right age to get married. Yeah, I agree. Um, Okay. Yeah, just weird. The other thing that I just wanted to name in terms of going back to Ben's wonderfulness Mm -hmm. was that, so, like, basically Ben, like, Julius tells Ben that he's great at being stylish and that, like, maybe he would want to, like, intern or, like, shadow people in the fashion department at Elite. And he, like, he just talks about how he used to hide GQ magazines, like, under his mattress or whatever. And my notes literally say, I think GQ was, like, Ben's porn. <laughs> because, like, he wasn't hiding, you know, pornography or something, like, super nefarious. But, like, that was what he was, like, staying up late, you know, reading. And I just thought that that was, like, such an adorable full circle moment if he's able to then have success in something that was off limits to him, but he dreamt of. I'm just like, I, I want only good things for Ben. <laughs> That's sweet. Um, yes, I agree with you. Okay, last thing that I have to say, I don't know if you noticed this, but I, I noticed it and I rewinded it and I watched it again just to make sure I saw it correctly. So they go out to lunch the whole family mm-hmm. and like at first as they're sitting down like when they're the first scene shows like them bringing food to the table yeah and then the second julia starts talking and, and saying like oh my god i had such a horrible day today and then you see the table it's empty the food is gone so like, the conversation starts with her, with the food being gone after we just saw the food bring, being brought to the table. And then she continues telling them about Robert and all of a sudden, like she, she continues the same sentence of like, um, I've had such a bar- uh, horrible day. And like, then she tells him about Robert and all of a sudden there's food again on the table and everyone's already eating. <laughs> I certainly did not pay that close of attention. I was like, this is the worst edit ever and also she's planning to do a funeral for robert yeah (laughs) that was my last note also that well first i just wrote julia so dense because there was like a direct quote where she says i think robert might be mad at me and this is after he stormed out of her house yeah think so it's like (laughs) i i too think he might be mad at you ma'am uh, so that was hysterical but yeah then she says she wants to like go on a boat and have a funeral for his insecurities and nobody stops her to no, say no everyone's saying it's a good idea that's crazy. 
I just, you know, I feel like part of my role in friendships is very rarely, like, unless someone really asks to say, like, you're crazy and wrong, like, most of the time, I'm just like, I'm here to support you, and it's fine. Just everyone in my life know, if you ever said anything like that in this circumstance, I would be the first one to say, you are crazy and wrong. Someone needs to tell her that she has to butt out of everyone's life. Like, they're they're there because they love her, but they don't need her advice. Like, she's still trying to figure out her own life. Why is she figuring out everyone else's life? Right. I, and I just, again, I think when people come to you for advice, like in the Ben situation, what he's coming for, like career counseling, absolutely. Use your wisdom to help and support people in your life. How beautiful. But when it's like, um, I feel like there are so many memes online that it's like, no one, literally no one. And then you need to like jump in and say whatever it is you're going to say. Like, if no one asked you, go back to like hanging out with Silvio and becoming an avatar, which also happens this episode. Like, just, I did not understand. Did you understand what they're going to be using that for? So it seems like kind of some kind of VR, virtual reality, like modeling situation i wasn't fully clear but i also recognize that when it comes to like technology and cool things i am one step removed from being an amish person um (laughs) so i assume that it was something that like everyone else got and i was just kind of accepting that no i did not understand it either i was looking at thinking why is she creating an avatar? <laughs> what's what's yeah, going on no, here? I don't get it, but like I also hand wrote checks earlier this morning, so I just assumed that stuff like that is on me to not get. <laughs> because analog is great and everyone should take up check writing and knitting. And that's the like unsolicited advice that I will give Julia Hartstyle. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I feel like we're still on the same page that we love Ben and Bacheva's relationship. We love Bacheva. We love Ben. Miriam still hates Bacheva, and we do not like that. Shlomo, we barely see him. Right. Aaron is adorable. Um, Aaron is a, a good like, son. Yeah. But that's all nice we know story. about him. Like, he seems menchy. Robert, and, the um, poor thing. <laughs> and I have many follow-up questions about Silvio, because... We see, like, a picture of him swimming past a glacier, and it's just like, what? So, I feel like he's probably really, like, the breakout star of the show, but just isn't getting enough airtime. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Team Silvio, Team Bacheva, Team Ben, and of course, like, Team Us, because, like, maybe you'll get a reality show now that you, too, are a TV star, and I could be the random friend who comes for the lunch portion. So after seeing how edited this show is, um, no thank you. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, I think I would actually make a great reality TV star. Um, I haven't figured out exactly what my show will be yet. <laughs> I once, when I was a child, tried to convince my parents to like let us audition for, um, this is like going to tell everyone everything they need to know about me, for Frontier House, which was a PBS like documentary reality show 
where families got to go live like it was Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> um, and I, I loved it. And they were, like, doing auditions for, like, a second season. I tried to convince my family to apply. And then they were just like, there's no toilet paper. Please never speak to us again. <laughs> um, so one day I will be something interesting and you will all be along for the ride. <laughs> I mean, I think you you already are something interesting, so. Oh, thank you. Okay. On that note, um, <laughs> this has been lovely. Listeners, if you want to weigh in about which reality shows we should be on or something else, um, please, please, please feel free to reach out to us. You can find us um, on Instagram at HowDoYouDoPod. You can email us at HowDoYouDoPod at gmail.com. Wherever you are listening to this episode, you can subscribe rate review share it with a friend take a screenshot um you know anything that we can do to help continue raising awareness about our podcast so we can keep growing and reaching more people is a plus on our side yep and until next time happy doing happy doing